I am joined today by three amazing people, Anita, Jasmine, and Deborah. They have very different experiences about death, dying, the process of dying, the experience of being the person who has been, and quote unquote, left behind. Uh, and I'm hoping that through this next hour, what you will hear is how many pictures we have of what that process is, should be, and potentially could be. So um, without further ado, let's jump right in to hear from each of them. I might start with Jasmine, who is our youngest contributor. Jasmine, um, could you perhaps give us an idea of how you've even come to be even contemplating any of this in your life? So my name's Jasmine. I'm 24 years old now. Um, when I was around uh, 17, um, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, so it was terminal. Um, and she lived for about three years onwards from that. And then when I was around 23, she passed away. Um, and I just want to start off by saying that the whole process was nothing that I thought it would be at all. Um, it, it was really, it was really profound actually. And I tell a lot of people that the process that occurred was actually one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. And people, when they hear that, um, you know, for a young woman to lose her mom, they're like, what? <laughs> like, is that, is that normal? Um, and, you know, what, what even is normal, you know, because I guess that, yeah, just the whole grief and dying process, um, what we've been taught that it is, um, you know, from just saying how, how devastating it can be and I completely understand how it can be that for some people but for my experience it was it was really a time that I was able to feel to feel the joy that can come with death and dying yeah I guess that's what I want to start off by saying Jasmine what you're so beautifully sharing is we've we have a picture of losing your mum to start off with yeah but we've also got a picture of what that length of process from the diagnosis to the passing could also be and you've described that as the most amazing process and of course there is a certain um opportunity by knowing that someone is terminal which clearly you know stage four your your mum was with us for a very long time from yes. that original diagnosis and she looked incredibly healthy as well like she yeah. didn't look sick till the very end absolutely and yeah. we have an audio that she did um post diagnosis uh, on stay in the loop with lucy so it's beautiful that people can actually listen to that in her own words about that process as well so it's really lovely hearing from you because the listeners can actually have both sides as well um so yes how was it well we might come to what it was like post post her passing um 
did you find that there were pictures of what you thought it was going to look like towards towards the end? Um, did you have pictures and and have to to deal with those and deal with other people, or was it just you and your family at that point? Yeah. Um, so previous to her passing. Um, what was really, I guess, fed to me through the pictures was that it's going to be extremely hard. It's going to be extremely heavy. Um, you're going to have to take time to get over this. Um, you're going to feel like a part of you has been lost. You know, you're not going to have, you know, because for me, my mom, she, she was really a rock in my life. Like I would go to her about everything. Um, so, yeah, just there was that real big connotation that I was going to lose, lose something. But then when she did pass, um, I was actually, she was in the palliative care for about a month, about a month. And I was going in there, staying with her, um, just supporting her in any way that I can. Um, she, when she did pass, I, it's like, it's almost like nothing had changed. And it's really hard to describe, but it didn't feel like she died. You know, that I, I, looked, I looked at her body laying there because uh, I, I, I said to myself, like, I, uh, originally I was in a bit of resistance. I was like, no, I don't want to see her, like, not, like, because it's not her. She's not in her body. She's passed. But I was like, no, just, just do it. Like, it can't hurt you. So I went in and I looked at her body. And I was able to feel like this really profound thing that she actually hadn't passed because when I was looking at her, I could still feel, feel her. And I was actually able to feel everything that our relationship was. And it was to a depth that I've never really felt before because in a human body, she was there. I could see her. I could talk to her. But actually, when she had passed, I was able to feel everything that she had held me and everything that I held her in. It's almost like she became me. And it was beautiful. And because of that, I had not lost a thing. I had actually gained, not gained, but I had there was so much there on offer that I was able to, to feel. And it was so weird when people would come up to me and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. But I was like, but that's not how I, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I've lost anything. Like I, I feel the relationship that we had held like more than ever before, even more than, yeah, more than when she was in a human body. And the amount of joy that I felt was just out of this world. And, and at the same time, there was also something that was offered there for me to detach from. Um, and that was her being my mother. Like, um, yeah, there was something to detach from there. And I, re I really took that and I really just went with it. Really beautiful what you've shared because it it blows all those pictures that I've had that you're supposed to feel like part of you's gone and you're supposed to feel all of those things they said to you. Anyone else would go, those would be the kindest things that anyone could say to you in that moment. 
and that you're going to, you know, it's going to hurt and it's going to take time. But what you shared, I could feel in your, from your body, what you shared was that it's almost like you'd reduced her to this picture of a mother. And when she had passed, you realized she was so much grander than that. She was a, a, a being before she was a mother and you connected to that. And that's what it sounds like she instilled in you that you could then feel never apart, never apart. It was so much grander than the encasement of this body. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's really, it's really harming when we have a picture of what grief looks like for one person, because if you look at my family, I have two siblings, a brother and a sister and a, and a dad, um, our experiences individually were all extremely different. And if you looked at mine and said, oh, that's how they all felt, that's actually like really imposing because it's not the truth. We all, there was all something that was offered to us in that process. Um, and, and that really, um, like to honor that is, is, is like the best thing ever. Yeah. Very important not to speak for anyone else, isn't it? What you've just shared there is your experience. Thank you so much. Deborah, your experience, I mean, I've heard you speak before um, and you speak incredibly uh, profoundly on this topic and your communication about this topic gave me pause to consider some of the interviews that I've done on um, on this topic previously and felt that I'd only scratched the surface, not only of what it feels like to lose someone as a shock, but also the imposition of the niceness that certainly I'd move through my body to try and make things better for someone and to try and take away their pain which I think um, what you shared was hard. So without me sharing more, I wonder if you could perhaps take us through, and you've got two experiences maybe that you could take us through um, in in your life. Sure. So um, in 2019, just a bit over two years ago, um, my son, who at the time was 17, passed away suddenly um, and less than a year later, just before the year anniversary of my son's passing, uh, my father also passed away. And it was, there's so much I could share, but having just shared the arc of that, I'll just start by saying what I learned and deepened in over that year from my son passing to my father passing was made so clear and obviously beautiful to me when my father passed because when he did, it it was just so simple and so beautiful. And just like, um, I could go from just having him right there and sort of very similar to what Jasmine was speaking about just to him being not in the body anymore, but like there was no gap. There was just this continuum of connection. And 
I can authentically say in the common or typical way we talk about grief, I really had almost none of that when my father passed. And that was very strongly built upon the foundation of everything I had learned since my son's passing. Um, my son's passing, on the other hand, you know, at first, I did experience a lot of, um, you know, intense crying, grieving, um, and, <clears throat> you know, I did not have the same experience of knowing somebody was going to die and having, being able to move through that with the person in a conscious way. Um, but rather it just coming in like a, like a tsunami or something in your life. And, and I think it's, yeah, like it was really important for both processes in a way, if you want to call them processes to be going on. One where I was really giving myself the space to grieve, like as a mother who had lost a child, but that going hand in hand with that, I could feel that there was this thick, heavy consciousness that people unintentionally you know, wanted to sort of put on me as like the grieving mother, you'll never, you know, people would say things or I'd read things like, you'll never feel whole again. You'll always have an emptiness. Um, and, you know, instantly I was like, no, that cannot be true. Like that goes against everything I know about healing. And, and I've worked for over 25 years, you know, in the healing arts industry as an allied health professional. And I was like, that can't possibly be. And one thing that came to me very early on was my son Gabe, his, his life, although it was 17 years, um, which we would consider short by, you know, standards of what, you know, humans are supposed to live was, it was a complete life. Like, and I often talk about it as like, you know, if your son goes, my son was about getting ready to go off to college. So it's sort of like he went off to college, but it's like, you know, college in, in the stars. <laughs> and, um, and I all often think about it like, gosh, you know, if you have a child and let's say you want them to be a teacher, but they want to be a carpenter <laughs> and you're like, no, but you have to be a teacher. Everybody in our family is teachers. And they're like, no, I'm going to be a carpenter and they go off and be a carpenter like you know and you have to like like to behold somebody with, with like the full love of like honoring who they are you have to you're gonna to have to come to terms with they became a carpenter and I know it's not the same but there is something same about like just like in life in human bodies how the best way we can love somebody is like just completely holding them for exactly what they are and without wanting them to be any different. I feel that way about my son. Like the best way I can love him is to fully accept that that was his complete life. And, and yet at the same time now, I can have the consistent experience, very similar also to what Jasmine described of, there is no end of that relationship. Like I have a very present and ongoing relationship with, with him. And, um, and in many ways, although of course I, I miss seeing him and like hugging him and all those things, there's no question about it, but, but in many ways I feel closer to him now. And I have relationships with his friends and other people in the world that I feel 
the coming, you know, the coming together of the two of us somehow is infused into other relationships that I have. And so, yeah, it's very, very beautiful. And um, also definitely has supported me in, in evolution in my personal life, like nothing else that I've ever gone through. So thanks for having me here today, Lucy. The difference for you to have those two experiences, um, incredible, absolutely incredible. And how some people would say, oh my gosh, all within a year you lost your son and your father. The, the loading of that, whereas for you by the time, but as the, by the time your father passed, you could see the evolution and that almost it feels like shedding of a picture that you had been fed or that I'm starting to understand we're all fed about what death is and the reduction of that person to a body and not feeling the ongoing relationship and I can I say I love the idea of him going to college because best college ever right you know for sure <laughs> better than Harvard better than Oxford <laughs> Yeah, there's no box. There's no box. It's a massive universal sky out there, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And when my father passed, exactly like you said, I was just sort of like, thank goodness, get out of that body. Like, and I was confident that I would have an ongoing relationship with him that would just endlessly deepen. And that is absolutely how it's felt. Before I go to Anita, Anita, I am coming to you. I would love to ask both Deborah and Jasmine, do you feel that, that the, the people that you knew in the roles that they represented in your life, do you feel that it was, you know, in part their imprints live on through you? So what you learned through either their being with you or their passing then becomes what something in your movements it becomes part of your livingness so Deborah as an example you've got his friends who are still in touch with you or families of his friends that there is something about that connection that you had that you move that you live yes I I feel like there's qualities like when I think about Gabe I think of like he was so strong in brotherhood and joy and playfulness and so all the time like I'll be even like simple things like I'll be wrestling with our dog which was his dog too and and I'll almost feel like I don't have to miss Gabe because as I'm wrestling with the dog it feels the same as watching Gabe wrestle with the dog and I hope you can feel that and like just in me explaining it but but yeah I I Jasmine said earlier something like it's almost like we became the same person it, it's sort of like the what delineates one person from another starts to have it starts to disintegrate almost or like there's less of a firmness about the distinction between two people it's more about qualities that we all have and can draw on and can inspire in each other amazing yes drop the delineation let's try and do that in life when people are still with us rather than waiting for them to pass hey Jasmine, did you have anything to add or are you complete? Yeah, um, I would like to say like with my mom throughout her process of dying, 
um, she really, she didn't hold back and she really just went for it and she maximized every opportunity that she had in that time. And for me, like I, I observed that process and um, actually before even this call, I realized, I realized that I actually maximized that too after her passing. And since then, I, I have really went for it in life because, you know, in the past, you know, I've held back, you know, I've been, I have had a tendency to like be contracted around people and not show who I truly am. Um, but now ever since she passed, um, that quality is almost in me now. And I'm just really taking every opportunity that I can, because what you realize when someone is passing is that, you know, sometimes time is off the essence and um, the, yeah, cause with her, you know, she, she knew that the day was coming, you know, she, 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 she actually felt in her body, you know, it's going to be around this month and she, she was, she was accurate. Um, so before that, she just, she used time to her advantage and really maximized every opportunity that she had. And I know now, you know, I'm, I'm 24, um, almost 25. Um, and even though I'm still young, like there, there is so much, like why waste time? Why wait? Why wait till you get a diagnosis? Why wait till you start to get old? You know, like, like, yeah, it's just, there's, there's so much opportunity, like so much. And why, why not just go for it? And like, just really feeling how it's not just for me, you know, like it's, it's for everyone. So yeah. beautiful maximize absolutely maximize they're holding back and nita we come we come to you now you hold a few roles because not only have you lost a few people oh use that word again we will talk about this word lost as a group just bear with me just be patient with me just hear Anita's arc, and I think we have to come back to that word loss because it doesn't feel right to use it, particularly after what you've both shared already. You've had a few people pass in your life or die in your life, and you are also both a marriage and a funeral celebrant, so you kind of do the whole arc. Could you share perhaps, um, first of all, your experiences um, in your life, but then also how you came to decide that, you know, that celebrant role was one that um, felt true for you and, and maybe what you have observed from being in that role. Yes, thanks, Lizzie. Look, it's just been so beautiful hearing what Jasmine and Deborah had to share, and it gave me a little bit of a, a broader explanation that I can share as I get towards the end of what I'm offering and as you mentioned I have had family members that have passed and it started with my father who passed when I was 23 and it was a shock it was just sudden and what I noticed was just how there were jobs that we all had to do in the preparation of his passing and I found so much support by being active and having purpose in doing and facilitating those steps to do that, knowing that family were coming together, everybody needed support, 
and actually clocking at that particular point that it wasn't so much about what my grief was, but about, about coming together with everybody and supporting everybody. So that was probably the first snippet that I had that it wasn't just about me, that my father had passed. And then when my father passed, he created a huge family rift and my brother didn't speak to me for 20 years after my father's passing. So it was a very interesting process because even though I kept instigating the opportunity to, to be and meet up and or, you know, connect with him on some level, he, he chose to remove me from my life and from his life. And about a year before he was diagnosed with cancer, I reached out. It was a, a notable birthday for him. And I reached out and said hello and he accepted the offering. And then within a few months, he was diagnosed with his cancer. And I remember feeling so much sadness of just going, gosh, we've missed 20 years. We've missed an opportunity. I felt so close to my brother when he, I was younger. He was very much my protector. And I had never stopped adoring him uh, from afar through that process. So I was very, very aware that he had uh, and what I refer to as an essence you know, a beingness that I always knew that that was him because I'd known him since I was little. He was always older and he had had this just genuine care and love for me. And I never, even though I felt him out of my life, I never felt that left. So it, it's a lot like what Jasmine and Deborah has even shared about when someone passes, even if they're removed from your life, you never stop that relationship of the essence that you have with somebody. It's, it's there no matter whether or not they're, living or dying you know and so then when he when he was about to pass and he was going through his illness I reached out I was feeling incredibly emotional and I reached out to someone who I really value their their wisdom and they said some simple words to me and that was you're not the one dying and in that moment it was just like a switch that went off and went oh, my God, I have felt that it's not about me. It's about, you know, coming together and supporting everybody and being at one with everybody and, you know, actually communicating so people have a good understanding about it and not going into our emotions. And a switch just went off and I went, right, this is interesting. So I was able to support my mother and my family, you know, my other brother and everything through that process. Then just 12 months later, my mother's partner was diagnosed with a illness and he only had six weeks. And in that, he actually suggested that he would like me to be his funeral celebrant. Never had done anything like that before in my life. And I went, oh, I don't know what to do. And there was just something in me going, okay, well, if he's actually asked for that, then he's seen something that I haven't. So I also got to feel in that that people identify things and qualities about us that we don't even want to see. And I remember presenting the ceremony at Afro's funeral and then walking out and going, wow, I've got, to, I've got to do this industry. I've got to work in whatever capacity. So I thought, right, if I work as a funeral celebrant, then I should be a marriage celebrant. It should be the same kind of celebration either way, someone passing or someone getting married, a baby being named. It's irrespective of what we're celebrating. You know, it's all the one umbrella. 
everybody is celebrating everybody. So it's people always. And hence started the movement but of, of actually working in the industry. But what I've observed, uh, particularly in, and you introduced it with, you know, just there's an opportunity from what I learned with my father of being quite overwhelmed and even getting snippets of how I could have not made it about me through the purpose of the activity of, of working towards um, supporting others and then being proactive in planning a funeral or doing those sorts of things really supports in the beginning. And then what Jasmine and Deborah have so beautifully shared is being aware of, of everybody else's emotions that are coming at you that aren't necessarily ones that you've aligned to. It doesn't necessarily make them real for you. And this is the part that is so beautiful is everybody's experience is incredibly different. And when I meet with families, I can see them actually choosing, various families choose to have the joy and the celebration of someone passing. And other families choose to be, well, no truer word than in the misery of their passing. And we all have a choice to do that. And I think that this is really what it's, it's a case of is, are we always feeling that our relationships with everybody in every moment has a sense of like deep appreciation, you know, a, a, an opportunity to see their essence, an opportunity to see who they innately are. And then when we are in a relationship with them, do we always feel that everything expressed has been completed? Is there an aspect that we have not expressed? And then when they, you know, that loved one could suddenly pass, we're left with a, an opportunity of going, oh, my God, I've failed. I haven't expressed what I've felt about that person. And there comes the opportunity to, to, for this grief thing to make it a self-appear like it's real. But it's not grief. It's our unspoken expressions to the people that we you know, we adore the ones that we are connected to and we see all the time. So it, it sounds like there's a, you're not maximizing, which is the word that Jasmine brought in, maximizing the opportunity every single day of our lives with the people who are around us all of the time. We leave so many things unsaid or feel that we shouldn't say this or we shouldn't say that or feeling uncomfortable or awkward but sometimes actually just saying what there is to be said or connecting in the way that you want to connect um just at least bring at least brings it out into the open and then no regrets absolutely yeah it, it, it the no regrets is is very true but i think to build on that is actually to say am i in a relationship whether it be family or anybody else, blood family, you know, let's face it, we've got so many friends that we have that aren't blood, but we would call them family as in the true sense of the word. So, so, you know, if there's that aspect, then is every opportunity that I'm with them, am I in this relationship for myself or am I in it to actually, you know, be, seeing and feeling and observing everything that that person is. You know, we, we go into these relationships to take what we want. So when someone passes, we're, we're not sure of what 
what's missing from our lives. We're not sure of who they were. We haven't, as you said, you know, all have said that we haven't maximised the depth of our relationship. So it brings in this opportunity to, uh, yeah, make it about sadness and um, make it about feeling remorseful or sorry or, or whatever. And a lot of the time our, our acquaintances and our friends who have been aware of our losses of loved ones in our lives, they're coming from a dialogue uh, of just repeating the words like I'm sorry for your loss and things like that, mainly because they're really unsure of how to express too. And it's not necessarily what they want to say, but it's a standard line that is delivered. And I think what we're, what we're touching on here is that we shouldn't be wasting any opportunities to develop our expression and, and, and extract that, whatever it looks like, without feeling like we're going to get it wrong, just give it a go and be more expressive to our loved ones so that there's no room for any, any aspect of regrets. I wonder if there is also room for a conversation about when you're truly hacked off with someone, when actually they've been pretty unpleasant to you in your life or your relationship has been conflictual and then they pass and all of a sudden you're supposed to have this really warm and fuzzy uh, relationship and everyone's talking about this person who is so incredibly this, that or the other. And yet you might be sitting there going, well, why didn't they show that to me? In a way, I wonder if living, if we're not living our true selves, what impression do we leave with people? Are we leaving an impression with people that we didn't, we didn't maximize every opportunity and we weren't who we truly are with people? Because I don't, I, I don't know if it's just me and actually maybe Deborah can speak to this, having been in allied health for as long as she has. I don't believe that any of us are really grumpy, unpleasant, rude, mean um, uh, ignorant people. I feel like those behaviors come in as a protection in some way. But if you pass mid those behaviors, and that's what there are, there always seems to be one or two people at a funeral who speak to the person, and I go, Why didn't I get to meet that person? Like that, what, where was that person in my life? Or, you know, I, I speak to others. This is a, a group of people as opposed to just me and my experiences you can imagine all the families that I'm meeting with and some of them come to us and say in very uncertain terms you know an example is my mother was not a nice person so I do not know what you're going to say and you know it's it's very interesting because by the time the funeral is done they're walking away saying oh I really didn't even look at what she has actually expressed and, and what she has represented in my life. And because I never gave myself the opportunity to see that those, those pockets of bad bits are the focus of my life, not all the good bits. And my husband, James, said to me when our children were very young, he said, our children will never remember the good times and the good things or the good things that you bought them. It will always be the, the, the bad things or the, the things that they didn't want. And that's our focus. So as humanity, you know, we're walking around going, oh, you know, that person's behaviour today was really, you know, what they said to me was just terribly rude. And we, we are holding people in that till the next time we see them. I'd love to talk about 
what it was like to be on the receiving of everybody else's comments to you in that moment. And if it's you going to someone else now, what would you say to them? What could people do that's slightly different? Yeah, I could share about this, Lucy. I I often joke that I should start a whole new greeting card line. That's the non-sympathy cards. <laughs> we certainly need a whole, a whole line of those. Um, it's hilarious that we even call them sympathy cards, although I guess it's pretty honest. Um, even to this day, I, I can sniff it for, from like miles away now when somebody's contacting me and it's almost like something's going on for them and then they think of me and Gabe and then they, they want to kind of connect to go into this like space of like, oh, Gabe, are you, you know, some, some way that they perceive my store, quote unquote story or, you know, who I am now because of it. And yeah, so I've, I often, you know, think of it as like, I have a machete in my hand and I, I've learned how to like, know how to like, just like cut right through it. And, you know, through just lovingly, like commenting something to them that like takes all the wind out of the sails of that. Um, And certainly early on, you know, it was coming fast and furious at me and it was all new and, and, you know, I was in shock and all of that. but some of the best things people did say to me that I remember those were like, I remember some people just saying like, I'm totally here. I've got, you know, I'm with you all the way. That was one thing that felt really supportive right from the beginning. Also when people would just say, you know, I don't really know what, what you need or what you're going through and I'm here to listen, or I, I would, I'm here to just sit with you, um, you know, versus like assuming that you know what somebody else needs or the space that somebody else is in, because, you know, you can imagine like, in my example, I'd be, let's say a few months down the road, I'm walking down the street and I'm having a great day and I'm feeling super connected with Gabe and the world. And somebody comes up to me who I haven't seen for a long time and instantly they're like, oh, you know, they go into this thing and I'm like, hello, like, can't you see like where I'm at today? Like, maybe maybe uh, where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not anywhere near where that, you know, where you think I'm at, I'm in a totally different space. And so, yeah, there's like a humbleness in that. This is a beautiful conversation because it is a reflection of a maturation, like as a society, we have so much maturing to do in this area. And it's beautiful to be with these four people coming together in, you know, in honoring that there is this maturity to happen. And we have all of us who are speaking from this place still have so much more we can learn and go and mature to as well. But, you know, right now we might be leading the way and for other people in this. Um, so I guess we can just bring in a, like a humbleness of that. Maybe we, we don't really know everything we've done before. didn't really work. You know, everything we've, you know, tried before, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't work, but we can ask more questions and we can read where a person's at. Like if you see somebody who's just recently lost somebody and you can, we can tell if somebody's in what kind of space a person is in and and meet them in that space rather than trying to bring them up or bring them down. Um, 
you know, into a place of sympathy down or like trying to cheer somebody up, you know, it's like just reading where people are at, being more humble, asking more questions and being open to maturing in this whole area of, of death, dying and, and the process of passing over. Yeah, I also want to say something about this because um, when I when I ponder on it now, like if I were to like face someone that did have someone pass, uh, until I'm actually in that moment, I have no idea what I would do because there's so much intricate detail and depth to everyone's experience that is completely individual um, that yeah, until we're in that moment, uh, we can't really like fantasize or imagine what we will actually do. And um, my partner, Andre, throughout, um, you know, my process of like grief and all of that, what I really appreciated from him is in every moment, he, he remained himself and he stayed who he was. And that really allowed me the space to just be in whatever I needed to be in. Like he never said, oh, this is, this is about you. Like, you know, like, and he would not go into that as well. He would just, he would just remain him solid self. And then that would sort of give me a bit of normality, you could say. And yeah, it was never asking of me to be anything, but it was just him and his solidness. And then me able from that, I was able to just be held in ever what I needed to be held in, which is like, which was the best. Yeah, look, I, I wanted to just build on a, 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 almost a picture. As you can imagine, I arrived to a family and their loved ones passed and you come to the door and you knock on the door and you say, you know, you introduce yourself. And you walk in and it's, you know, the atmosphere is very heavy. I, from the moment I was a celebrant, I never said anything relating to sympathy. I just, I always ask, how is everybody? How is the family? Everyone well, everyone's okay. You know, always, it's not like, you know, how you're feeling or just how are you, that kind of thing. And it's so broad that, it gives the space for everybody to then go, well, then she's not coming in with a whole lot of her pictures of what grief is because they've never met me before and they uh, could easily be put off by uh, like a card of too much sympathy or, you know, also handing the, the opposite where being really cold and like you'll get over it, that kind of thing, like the two sides of it. So it, as, as I said in the beginning, it really comes back to you know you're there in whatever capacity so a friend comes up to someone who's passed and to, a friend comes up to another friend and their family has passed in that moment it is for, for you to just be in the space of that person and feel them feel what's that what's going on for them and trust that you have the ability to know what's the right words to say for them. I think what we do is we go into a narrative sort of version of speaking and we get it out because we're uncomfortable. But if we just meet up, we see what's before us, we give ourselves the space and then we take it from there. And that's what I was kind of offering by the example of being at the door, just taking my time, seeing the person who actually answers the door. And I don't actually rush into saying anything in particular but it's always set for each person because you walk in and you get a feel for it. 
So I think that this is what we're unlocking today is, is expression, you know, of being very open to how other people, and Jasmine touched on it a bit about how um, someone could be feeling and making it not about you and, and just making about being totally aware of the, of the fact that you've noticed movements of that person that's changed and then you respond to that. So what you're saying is, Lucy, stop calculating, stop trying to um, have a uh, script and just go with what comes because it's the anxiety of not feeling like you're going to say the right thing or you're going to do harm. What I've realised is there's actually something behind that anxiety and that fear of saying something wrong and that actually comes from, from a deep care that we actually all do have for people um, and also seeing the rot of what people go through and um, yeah not to be hard on ourselves about it because we actually all do really love people and we want to be there for people and we're all in the rut we're all in the mess of the world and we feel how gross it is. Um, I know you had said you wanted to talk about the word loss and we didn't do that do you want to start us off with that word loss? Because I think you have really embodied an awful lot of the rot of that word. I mean, on a temporal level, you know, we can say that there is a loss. Um, and, you know, we don't, we wouldn't want anybody to come away from this with any kind of feelings of guilt, or if they do feel like they have a loss, or, you know, if they're really feeling an emptiness in their life, like, that is all part of many people's experience that is important. But, and, and for me, there, there is a so kind of a loss, of course, like of the physical presence of my son. But, but when somebody says to me like, oh, so sorry for your loss, or you've had such a huge loss, it doesn't match with the fullness that I feel in my connection with Gabe and just with everybody, really, we can't really ever lose the depth of love and connection we have with somebody. And so, yeah, maybe it's not to not have the word loss, but it's that we need a lot more words. We need to have the words grief and loss plus joy and ongoing connection and completion of of incarnation and there's so many other words that we need to have in that vocabulary so that it's not just grief and loss and that will give us more of the fullness of of the experience this sort of like I think of the word loss and you know of course it's the loss of human life that makes me question you know because I've felt like through my mom's passing that there's so much more than life. So it feels like I can feel that there's more. So I'm wondering, do we really think that this is it? Just human life? Like we born and we die? Like, yeah, it's just something that, that I really deeply ponder on. Yeah, to build on what Deborah and Jasmine both said, it, it's something that came to me was you know when I lost a diamond bracelet you know it felt like I'd lost something 
and I wasn't going to get it back. And, you know, so beautifully and eloquently shared from Deborah and Jasmine, they not from the moment that they felt that it's a continual loss of their loved ones. So there's got to be something that we have with humanity that is far greater than our physical appearance and our physical presence. And that is what we all innately know that we're part of. And it's easy for me to feel anxious and tense about losing a diamond bracelet. <laughs> and, and I identify that loss with a material possession, but that's just it. It's just a material possession. It is not, it's not something that I've owned. I've, I've always felt that I've never owned my daughters or my grandchildren. And I think this is also an aspect that we're unpacking by the word loss. It's not something that we owned ever. We are not able to lose what was never ours to own in the first place. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get this expressed. It's just very precious. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>